0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: And now a word from our sponsor Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA is in full swing and college basketball heats up as the schools make their way to the madness. The tournament is coming, and so is the $100,000 Bracket Madness contest, as Bet Online is the spot for all of your bracketology needs. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. So head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. <laughs>
2: Hello everybody, welcome to a special spring version, almost spring. The first day of spring is actually, well, uh, the 20th. The first day of spring is actually March 20th. So um, this is probably March 14th, 15th when you hear this. So we've got one, two, three, we got St. Patrick's Day on Wednesday the 17th, then spring begins uh, on the 20th. So anyway, but welcome to a special almost spring version of uh, Bill Roden on Sports. I'm here in Manhattan at an undisclosed studio in Manhattan, holding it down uh, with uh, my friend, the great Jamal Murphy.
1: Murph, what's up, Bill? I'm just, uh, you know, we were just reminiscing on, um, you know, the the one-year anniversary of this this. incredible pandemic and uh you know besides that just watching college basketball. I know I know you hate that bill, but you know, watching college basketball and en- enjoying it, even though the kids are getting paid. We can <laughs> work on that though. We're work on
2: that. Ultimate <laughs> exploitation. Of course we got uh our other co host, uh friend, uh great musician, the great Steve Wilson holding it down. Steve, what's up?
3: Hey Bill, hey Murph, good to see you guys. And um I think uh, we can see some light happening at the end of the tunnel here, so, I mean, I know we're not out of the woods yet, but at least we have some real optimism now, so, uh, you know, i try to uh, just hold on to that, man, take it to the next next stage.
2: I get it. I mean, I don't know how much the optimism is that it's spring, you know, it's getting, you know, it's getting, you know, after, you know, you know those of us who've grown up in the Northeast, Midwest, those kind of places where we get battered by uh, winter, I think we appreciate spring more than probably any other group. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how much of this light at the end of the tunnel is that it's just a natural uh, a jubilation or jubilation of spring or how much we're actually getting closer to actually uh, somehow dealing with coronavirus, you know. Yeah, you because know, you know everybody's out and all that, and I'm like, well, I don't know, man. Is that is it really safe? No, <laughs> is it really not yet. Safe
1: to be out? <laughs> it is,
3: no, it ain't safe. No, that's <laughs> not for sure. Yet. No, yeah.
1: no. Well, you know, all you have to do, you, I mean, you know, speaking of college basketball, you have to do is look and see what's going on the last couple of days. You've had, you know, teams like Duke and Kansas and Virginia yeah. had to pull yeah. out of their yeah. tournaments because you know they had positive cases. So obviously. The virus is still out there. You know, you still have to be very careful. And those guys, those teams are actually being very careful because they have you know, they have self interests involved in it. So that's right. It's still, it's, still out, it's still out there. So, so Jamal, so
2: you, you are the uh, resident college hoops and football guru. Uh, I think you got a, a piece coming up in the undefeated uh, Tuesday. They say. Uh, and uh, so how is this going to work, man? I mean, this is going to be, you know, you and I have been to March Madness. We've been to the Final Four a few times. How is this
1: March Madness going to work this year? Yeah, so so this one, it's all in one state. It's all going to be in Indianapolis. Uh, so teams are already, you know, traveling there or they're already, you know, trying to quarantine. All, all. How many teams are going to be selected? Uh, 68, the same number, the same number of teams would be, well, yeah, 68. Um, The Ivy League pulled out this year. They didn't play at all this year. So that's just another at-large bid for someone else to take. Um, But besides that, everybody else, every other conference will be represented. So it's still 68 teams. And 68 teams going into Indianapolis? No, Indiana. So they're going to use Purdue's uh, campus as a playing site. They're going to use Butler's uh uh campuses are playing so they're going to use Indianapolis also a couple of stadiums in Indianapolis so I, I think Indiana University also so they're trying to spread it out you know that way but it's still that's still like a lot of teams coming into one basic area so it's still a little you know okay, we'll, see, so we'll see how this goes Eight
2: teams in the state of Indiana
1: right and they all supposedly they all have to have to uh have to quarantine or get no they all have to have 7 days of negative tests, like everybody in the program has to have seven straight days of negative tests in order to, in order to be eligible to play. And I think the first round this year, they, they changed that also. So the first round or the the first four games are on Thursday, and I believe the the first two rounds, which are usually Thursday and Friday, will be Friday and Saturday. So that week. means the
2: 18th. So the tournament begins on March the 18th. Right. Wow. Right. Interesting. Well you know, this will be kind of different. So instead of, you know, back in the day, you'd have uh, you'd have a regional in the South, then you have a regional in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. All that's done. I wonder how much money that's gonna save you just to have cram everybody, they're just gonna fucking pollute Indiana, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, and, and and the funny thing is, I wanna say, you know, right, basically a couple weeks after they, they established that this was what's gonna happen, and about a week ago, Indiana, the state, Relaxed some of their restrictions in terms of, you know, bars and restaurants. Now, you know, they, they, I don't, I don't think they made it wide open, but they said they went from like ten percent to fifty percent or something like that. And mm-hmm. the NCAA is allowing fans, you know, a certain amount of fans. So, you know, they're 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 thinking about the money, obviously, yeah. and that's the only reason, you know. And they and they were they were dead set on having this tournament from the very beginning of the season. Because they, you know, these the NCAA tournament grosses about a billion dollars each year, Uh and they missed out on that last last season. And then they see the NFL and NBA, they didn't miss out completely on anything. So they're <laughs> like, forget that. Right. We have it this year. <laughs>
2: right, right, unbelievable, man. Yeah. So, well, you know, I don't know, Steve. What do you think? You think it's going? I mean, now, I mean, are you? Yeah. Well, you're a sports. Fan. I mean, are you gonna? You're gonna watch too? Many, but what do you think of this whole? You know, because I mean, they're, they're, you're a, a live performer too. I mean, you, you know, you do live performance. So, is there anything, What do you think of the NCA making this work? And is there anything that can translate into your business? You know, the business of, you know, of live performances.
3: Well, I mean, it's. I don't know the the actual capacity, uh, Jamal. What what capacities are they? Are they for the arenas are they saying 10% 20% only family and
1: uh, it's more than only family i know that and I, I, you know i, I don't have the, the exact numbers but i want to say I, I don't i don't i want to say between 20 and 30% probably
3: yeah yeah i mean i i don't know i just think it's dicey um you know given that uh there's so much so many factors undetermined that you know we're still in a fragile state with this thing. You know, with the the virus variants now that are showing up everywhere, um, and the fact that, like Jamal said, that Indiana's relaxing its its protocols, and you got people coming in from all over the place. Yeah, and 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 coinciding with spring break. Oh my at god. a lot of these schools so this is this is a uh, this is a toxic cocktail man so i you know i mean god forbid i wouldn't want any school from florida come i mean no, or, te- just, or, te- or
2: texas
3: <laughs> or texas no, <laughs> no disrespect to the people man but right. you know what these governors are doing mississippi alabama what these governors are, is careless man it's just careless it's got nothing to do with politics so so yeah i don't know i would i would if i were any one of those athletes I mean, I I get it. These kids want to play, but I would not feel good about it. Just all things considered, I you know I, I I hope for everyone's safety. I hope that the schools can get through it without any other major crisis. But yeah, you're playing with fire. Let's just yeah. face it. You're playing with fire, man. This is not the NFL. This is not the NBA. Uh, that you can put everybody in a bubble. That you can control it. We're talking about. You know, young kids, we're talking about young fans. It's not the same dynamic, you know?
2: Yeah, so. yeah, I mean, that that's such a great point. I mean, I guess they call this thing the invisible virus in a way, you know, because there are people who are not taking it seriously at all, you right. know, they, either because they don't know anybody that's sick or, you know, things like that. Then you're right, if you're only 21, 20, you know, you think you're invincible anyway. <laughs> right. You know, so um, I don't know. You know what? Um, so Jamal and Steve, so uh, we're a couple of days late on this, but uh, on March 11th, that's when we celebrate, everybody quote unquote, celebrated the uh, anniversary of when everything shut down. Uh, I was in Kansas City on uh, March, actually the 10th, at the Big 12 tournament, and I had a speaking engagement the next day out of this art museum, uh, but that day, the 11th, got the text. I was sitting in Bob Bosby's box. He, Bob Bosby, is a big 12 commissioner. And we had, you know, chatting and people are starting to already get kind of like a little nervous. And he had decided, well, we're gonna play uh, the next day, but only family, you know, mm-hmm. only friends and family. And of course uh, we were talking, he stepped out and came back and said, he showed me the text from the NBA, he said, man, the NBA is shut down the season. And I'm like, "What? And I thought he was joking."
1: Right.
2: And uh it was real. And he said, uh by the end of the day, they postponed their tournament, and he said that that's when a lot of the players realized that this was really real when the NBA shut down. So let's take each of you guys, where were each of you on March 11th, you know, at this time last year when everything shut down. Uh where, where were you, Steve?
3: Well, actually, I had my band uh, playing at Birdland uh, mm. here in New York and, you know, Times Square area, and, um, and we had a four-night engagement, and actually, we were, our band was playing downstairs. They have two rooms, they have a downstairs room and upstairs, so the, the main headliner upstairs canceled his last two nights, so they which was Friday and Saturday, and so they asked us if we would come in and play, finish out the weekend, and I said, sure. But of course, everything was just starting to shut down. Broadway had shut down, I think, that Thursday or Friday. And I remember being on the trains uh, on the subway on the way to work, and it was eerie, man, because there was hardly anybody in the trains. <laughs> and then when I got off at like 42nd Street to walk to Birdlands, like, you're seeing probably about one tenth of the amount of people you would normally see. And I said, because everyone was getting out of the city. Everyone mm-hmm. said, that's it, I'm getting out of here so it was pretty eerie but we finished out the weekend there we had a great actually had a great time people did come to see us uh some people who actually had come in for broadway but there of course the shows were canceled so we were able to pull in some folks uh and, and we had an actual it was kind of a, a i don't know a sort of a spiritual thing because we felt like there was a certain togetherness and we were all hoping for the best and um so we actually had a great weekend but of course. That following Sunday, Monday, everything began to shut down. So we, including Birdland, so we did the last weekend of Birdland uh, before everything shut
1: down. So, mm. uh, so, so you yeah. played, you played that Friday and Saturday.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and this and this weekend is the one year anniversary of that. So, uh, so I'll, I'll never forget that man. That, that'll always. That's an. And
2: the clubs one. were packed. I mean, it was packed.
3: It was about. We actually had about. I think well they uh by that time they had already started setting protocols and they could only fill in up to 50 percent of the room so i think on one or two of the sets we actually had about 50 percent um which we were surprised to get that many uh but uh but everyone was had the sense like this was the last hurrah and um and fortunately none of us came out of it sick everyone was okay and you know realized now how lucky we were that you know, because it just started spreading. So, yeah, I'll never forget that, man.
1: Yeah. What about you, Jamal, where, where were you? What were you doing? Well, I remember, I think it was the 10th, either the Tuesday or the Wednesday, I guess the Wednesday, I was at Madison Square Garden, um, a, pa- a packed Madison Square Garden for the first round of the Big East tournament I'm there. And I remember being there, and, and at that point, you knew it was this was kind of serious. Or could be serious, and this probably wasn't a great idea that that we were. <laughs> <trying>. <laughs> at least that's what I was. That's what I was. Everybody
2: thinking. else is shut down, right? All, all, not all, all. yet.
1: No, not yet. I think this is the, this is the next day. Everybody shut down. The next day, in terms of basketball, they canceled all the tournaments. The next day, but I remember being there that night, and you kind of got that feeling. And I, and I even said at that point, like, this is probably the last game that, that's good, that I'm going to be at. You know for the, for the, you know, for the foreseeable future. And it was. Um, so then the next day, you know, even when I wake up in the morning, because, you know, you're supposed to have a full day of Big East, tor- of Big East tournament games. I had, I had taken the train into my office in the morning. So I was there and I was debating whether to go to the Big East tournament. Now, while it, it's about 11 a.m., the Big East tournament starts at 12 or 1 or something like that. And at that time, all the other tournaments start canceling. East, right, East canceled. The Big 12 is canceled. For some reason, the Big East is not canceled. I'm like, you know, what's going on here? I decided not to go, but the Big East actually played until halftime, That's that right. first game, and they canceled it at halftime,
0: mm.
1: you know? So it, it was crazy. I didn't know understand what the Big East was doing. And really, at that point, I was blaming the city. I was like, why, why would they even be allowed to play in the first place? Isn't that like, you know, de Blasio or Cuomo's call or something like that? So... You know, Mm. that was it, and that is the last day that I've been on the train, on the subway.
2: Wow.
3: Oh, wow.
1: I have not been on the subway since then.
2: Wow. Yeah, wow, me either. Of course, I wasn't on the train before that anyway, (laughs) so this is just uh, an excuse. Uh, I I have a question uh, for you, Steve. In terms of now here we are a year, a year later, Mm -hmm. uh, a couple things. Um, You know, I, I go to a lot of, you know, jazz performances and I always hate what I dislike is places like uh, the Vanguard and the Blue Note you know in jazz places they, they cram you in as tight as they can I mm-hmm. mean it's like the slave ship they put as many people <laughs> as possible <laughs> right. in these venues and I was thinking the other day well so maybe maybe one of the blessings of this pandemic is that they will not be able to cram people in like that uh, I wouldn't mind if even if they charge you more, but they don't cram you in anymore. Uh, what do you think about that? I mean, has there been talk about that? Because I really I've always hated that about these jazz because we'll shoehorn you in.
3: Yeah, that's a good point, man. You know, th- that may be taken into consideration. I mean, at least um, that's not out of the room, I think, at least in the early stages of them reopening so we'll we'll see how that plays out but that's that's a good point yeah i you know it's there's a certain uh i guess certain romantic factor to it, especially a room like the vanguard which is the you know the oldest jazz club uh, in the world um and just the legend of it but you know a place like the blue note where you know you're really cramped in there and you can get uncomfortable with your neck it gets you know cramped in it but uh, and of course, you know, they're, of course, they small rooms. So th- these, uh, the intentions are good because they're just trying to make as much money as they can, you know, uh, trying to expose as many people as they can to the music. But with this new protocol, that might change. So that'll be interesting to watch. That's a good point. A very I, I, good point.
1: I, I think it's coming back. I think, you know, I, I think corporations and, and people who want to make money, they will, they use that, the romanticism factor. In, in their favor, and I, and this is like across the board, and and I think one of the one of the things we've learned from this pandemic is that it's all about the money. We've talked about it on here before a few times. It's all about the money, and it's not yeah. just sports. It's everybody. So even even the office setup. Okay, I you know are they people are wondering are they going to make people go, come into work in the same cubicle situation every day? I think maybe not at first. You know, eventually they're going to try to to get people back to that. And as far as sports goes, as soon as they could get fans in, I don't I don't see them changing anything. Okay, <laughs> right. like you think you think masters Regard is going to stretch the seats apart? No, like <laughs> they, I I can't see the sporting world changing at all. You know, once 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 it's once they're given the full go, and it seems as if most you know there's herd immunity or or you know you know most people have the vaccination, they're stuffing people right back in there.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, especially I, especially pro sports, so <laughs> yeah. you know, because it, yeah, it does, then, you yeah, know.
1: and then
2: you know, you know, they're already doing it. They'll have all these fake things like it's fake. You have to show that you have had a test and show that you're positive and I mean negative and show about and you know, just like they've had fake IDs, fake this, you know, but they can at least say, well, we did our part. We you got to show a negative, blah 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 blah. We'll take your temperature at the gate or right. whatever. But you're right, Jamal. Mm. I mean. You know, when you live in a country, maybe even a world, but particularly a country where the highest value—the value that trumps everything—is money. Every decision is based not on on your health or morality or what's right; it's all based on on money. And I know we've been evolving quote unquote, devolving toward this for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, so so you're right. I'm just kidding. In, in a year's time. Uh, Jamal and Steve, how has what you do changed? How have you changed either your routine? How have you changed uh, the way you do business? You know, how how have things changed for you? That's the first part, how have things changed? And what do you think that you will keep moving forward about
1: changes you've made? Well, a lot lot has changed, you know, I would assume for everybody. But, you know, even, even this type of situation, the Zoom, uh, being able to meet with people, being able to pull off podcasts, you know, remotely. I think that kind of thing stays. Um, you know, I was talking before about, about best, you know, professional sports, wanting to jam people back in the stadiums. I, I do think that will happen, but on a personal level, I will keep, you know, I will always have in the back of my mind, like try not wanting to be in huge crowds or if I am in crowds. You know, I, I could see masks staying with me for for a while, okay. Especially, <laughs> especially in that setting. Especially if I'm going to a if I'm going to a packed basketball game, you might catch me with a mask on. And, and I'm sure I have some haters, but I don't care, you know? because because you know it's it's so funny. It's not just the pandemic. You know, like a few months ago, uh, I went out. I'm talking. To, uh I, I was waiting for for food, and some guy, you know, has no mask on and I, have my, I haven't had my mask down for a second he starts coughing and I'm like what, what's going on and this is <laughs> something you would never thought about before but you were you were catching colds and flus before and who wants to catch that so I think now right. that we, we are ed, we are more educated in terms of how we can prevent uh certain viruses and and I think you know a lot of us will keep that in mind in the future.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No I agree with that uh you know to, to your point Jamal um because I've, I've traveled to japan many times and it's normal in japan yeah. has been forever that you know when people are sick they voluntarily put on a mask so that they don't affect others so you could go to to japan uh or korea you know any any time of the year and if someone was sick they put on a mask right. you know just out of respect for everybody else right. <laughs> you know so i so you're right that could that could become I don't think we'll get to that level but i do think that could become a part of our our you know our fabric um but yeah i agree also i think zoom will be certainly be a part of doing business going forward um and you know my teaching uh which i do full-time at city college of course um we're talking about having at least hybrid classes in the fall if not totally in person but i think that uh, and I've had this discussion with many of my colleagues in the education field. I think this is the precedent that many of the uh, institutional administrators have been looking for, because mm. now they now they know that this 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 format can work. Mm. And what they've been looking to do, many of them say, "Man, well, how can we make more money? Oh, we can have yeah. ju- we can have jumbo classes." we don't need to bring them to campus. We can have a jumbo class. Everyone can be like university, university of Phoenix,
1: Mm.
3: (laughs) you know, we can hire less adjuncts and now we could have a lecture class with 200 people in it, not just 50, Mm.
0: Mm. you know,
3: and we can hire more adjuncts and we don't have to pay them benefits. So I think this will become a part of the paradigm going forward in education field. And certainly in the music field too. Uh, We've, a lot of us have had to figure out how to make this platform work. So I think you'll see some streaming, more streaming concerts, especially from more up and coming developing artists because they won't have the venues to play. So they say, look, I don't. what am I going to do? I can make my own gigs, make it over on Zoom or some other platform like this. So it's here to stay. It's definitely here mm-hmm. to stay for sure.
2: Do you, th- you think that schools will hire more adjuncts?
3: Oh, no, they're looking to hire less. <laughs> especially more state institutions because even though now that the COVID money's coming in, the COVID relief bill, um, but they've been looking for ways to, to, you know, make more money um, and to cut budgets and, and to hire less or hire more for less. So I think this is going to be part of that solution for them. I, I don't think it's so great for the, for the students, right. um, but I think it's it's going to be part of their, Answer to balancing their budgets.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, what 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 do each of you? Because um, I've been wrestling with this too. I mean, I've never been a guy who likes to go into office ever. You know, uh, you know. But what do what do each of you like about about this this last year in terms of adjustments that you have had to make? Um, you know, uh, Jamal. You know, you've seen in our business uh, they've cut out. Locker room access. They've been trying to do that. They've been trying to do that for years. Right. So they've cut the whole locker room access out. Here's who you'll have. You know. Um, so what you what what do you think will? I mean, what have you enjoy about this last? Year? Enjoy is probably not a good word, but um, what have you been? You know, how is this? Yeah. What are you going to keep? What do you What do you personally what has personally made your your life easier, or better, or more convenient?
1: Well, I do I do like the remote access in general. Um, you know, even even when when people are allowed uh, back in, into the stadiums, I think you should still there still should be that remote option uh, available um, because you know a lot of times you know you know Bill better than anybody. Like you you show me like you you're showing up. Like there'd be a sporting events that you show up to only to get access to talk to somebody. Um, you don't even wanna be bothered with the game itself. Right? <laughs> right. Or the or the hustle, you know, the hustle and bustle having to go through security, blah, blah, blah. You know, if you could get your job done and, and get a and get, you know, talk to someone virtually and that's good enough for you, you know, to get a quote for your story, I think that's that's great. And it should be, you know, that's an option that should be uh kept around. And just just in general, I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't, in any profession, I don't, you know, and I feel like most people work would, would, would rather not have to be forced to go into the office five days a week. Um, and especially when, you know, all, in all these professions, whether you're a lawyer, uh, you know, accountant, whatever, they're, they're stuffing you into office buildings. And, you know, you could be a big time lawyer and you, and you don't even have your own office. You're like, you know, you're, you're, you're in a cubicle next to, there's another cubicle there. So will, does that change? Do you, know, the, you know, will they allow people to start uh, coming in, you know, three days a week, you know, just, but that's a whole culture change. So we'll see. And then I guess the landlords, the Manhattan landlords must have a union or something because I know they want everybody back, back in. Yeah. The <laughs>
2: buildings. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So I, I, what about you, Steve? I mean, again, I think we've mentioned this throughout the year when you've been, I mean that, you're sort of like the athletes in that it's uh, maybe even I don't know if it's more so or less so how it's so much fan driven or mm-hmm. it's a lot you say about the energy, having the energy of audience is there. Um, uh, and there's also teaching. So is there any has there been any pluses to uh, this whole virtual world? Um, and is there anything you like about the virtual world?
3: Not really. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs>
3: uh, well, you know, I, well, honestly, uh, I guess as, t- as far as like, say, teleconferencing, which has been a part of corporate America for a long time. Um, but I guess we we have now, we can now add that aspect into what we do as the music business in terms of setting up meetings with potential presenters or students or, or musical partners, whatever have you. But in terms of the performing aspect, the teaching aspect, uh, it's this is the worst. Mm. Um, because there's, there's, it's a communal experience, you know, uh, performing is a communal experience. And, um, you know, we're making the best of it out of necessity in this uh, platform, but it's no one I know, no one I've talked to across the board is saying, "Man, you know, this is great. I want more of this." Now everyone's <laughs> like, "Man, when can we get back?" <laughs> you know, because mm. we we want to be with the people, you know, because uh, it's it's a sharing experience. So, uh, so yeah, uh, so I guess you know we'll take what it does offer in terms of being able to meet with some folks, um, you know, as opposed to just saying a telephone call. Where you can now sort of chat face to face and get a feel for one another, and you know that that can help the relationship. But, but the performing aspect is uh, no, this is not a substitute at all.
1: Yeah, I, feel like wow. I, feel, I feel like athletes are exactly the same as far as that goes. You know, they miss they miss the fans. It's it's awkward playing, you know, with with no fans watching. Uh, as it just as it's a whole different feeling, and and you, and you become. I mean, that's what you do. That's really, in some ways, you know, one of the big reasons you do it. So I think the musician-athlete thing is the exact same.
2: Do, do you guys think that uh, this gets beyond, do you, what do you think has been the impact? Some people say, well, you know, maybe we learned to care for each other more because of this, or maybe, uh, what, 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 what do you think has been the human interactive impact of this last year. I mean, take it from your own perspective, but to largely, I mean, we've had, you know, we've had four years of, you know, some people, sometimes I think maybe the only positive, the only, the only positive of this is that it helped get rid of one of the worst motherfuckers who ever occupied <laughs> the White House, you know. Good, good point. You know, <laughs> I, and i really if, if there had been no pandemic, this dude might still be there. I don't know, although people kinda of get hip to his shit. But um uh but j- just the human uh, in terms of how we relate to each other. Do you think there's any do you think we've learned to appreciate each other more, anything more?
3: Mm, that's a good question, man. I, I think that's a mixed bag, Bill. Um I you know, I I think we've all known some people, uh either directly or associated with those who, you know, we've lost a lot of folks. And we've lost a lot of folks in the music world and uh, mm. uh, an unusual amount, you know, either due to COVID or just in the scheme of things. So yeah. so in essence, our, our community has, I think, become closer and much more connected in a way. Um, and I've gotten in touch with, I've been in touch with some folks from uh, my hometown because of you know folks suffering or passing away or whatever that you know so people i hadn't talked to in some cases you know 20 30 40 years mm. so i think that's a plus uh on the other side you know where the country is politically and culturally this great divide man uh it's exacerbated i was actually i was just just before we started this session i was on the phone with george coligan great piano player who uh, I work with with Buster Williams and he, he lives in Portland, Oregon, and we were discussing this whole situation. And, you know, politically, man, it feels like we're back to reconstruction and antebellum, mm. you know, just how divided this, this country is, man. It's, it's deep. And the, the racism now is just unashamedly just right out there in our face, man. And uh, so I think it's a mixed bag. Mm.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. It's, you know, it's complicated because, yeah, I think, you know, in some ways we've, you know, we've seen, you know, you've become closer with family, uh, you've seen people uh, more compassionate, but then at the same time, like you said earlier, you got people not even taking this thing seriously at all, almost on purpose in order to be, you know, discompassionate or non-compassionate, whatever, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it is, it's, to me, it's a, it's a completely mixed bag. Um, so, I, in a way, you know the, the cliche. You've seen probably the best of the best, but you've also seen the worst of the worst of people. So yeah, who knows yeah, how we go
2: yeah. It. So yeah, that yeah. I guess that's
1: semi-depressing. I guess uh, <laughs> uh, you know. I want to take a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether rare, dead stock, or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity. And it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. So go to ebay.com sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. So as you said, again, we got the tournament coming.
2: Let's talk basketball.
1: Right. Yeah, how about, so how about Patrick Ewing, though? How about Patrick Ewing? Oh, yeah, yeah, let's talk
2: about, well, yeah, yeah let's talk about Patrick Ewing. You were there. You were actually asked him a great question.
1: Since I got the question from you, from talking talking to you a couple of days ago, and we were talking about if um, if Thompson, uh, you know, if he won, and, you, were, you know, you were, you were saying, oh, that's a story in and of itself, if that would happen, you know, in a year that Patrick Ewing, uh, I mean, that uh, John Thompson passed and all that. So basically, you know, that, I asked him that question and, and he had a, you know, he had a great answer to it uh, and he mm-hmm. went, he went into it. Jamal Murphy on Bill Roden's podcast. Hey coach, congratulations. Thank you. Um, you know, I just want to know what this, what this means to you, especially in a year where we lost, you know, the great John Thompson, you know, this has to be, I mean, beyond gratifying.
0: Oh, definitely. They asked me on, on uh, right after the game, you know, what do I think Coach Thompson's doing right now? And, uh, you know, I said both he and Mary Finland are smiling down on us right now. You know, they're very happy. They're probably dancing the jig like he always says. You know, uh, we've come a long way. It's been a rough year for everyone all over the world with the pandemic. Uh, you know, we lost Coach Thompson, also Coach Cheney, pioneers of, of, this, of this profession, giving people like myself opportunities. And uh, a lot of people uh, all, over the, all over the country, opportunities to to go to college. And the fact that people discounted us, even last night I'm watching TV, they're saying Seton Hall is just going to wipe us, uh, push us to the floor, and get to the next uh, game. And we showed that we have courage. We, we have fight. We have the Georgetown fight, Hoya Saxa. That means something. And we were able to uh, come away with the win tonight. How, how good does Georgetown look? They they look they look good like that's to me on a
1: basketball level like strictly basketball, I you know I'm a George I, I've been watching Georgetown ever since I was a kid I still watch a majority of their games to this day so I know how I know how they were looking I look, I looked at their preseason roster in the preseason they were picked last in the Big East if anybody would not want to pick them last in the Big East it would be me, and I looked at that roster and I was like yeah they're probably last in the, in the <laughs> they don't mm. have anything. OK, like they they lost three, you know, big time recruits last season, mid midseason. Um, so they he was able to, to get a couple lower rated recruits in this year and he didn't have much left over. So I looked at, at this his roster this season. I was like, I hope they give him a pass because it's COVID, you know, season because this isn't going to be pretty. And it wasn't at the beginning of the season. It was not pretty. But Patrick Ewing has shown me he can coach. He's shown me all he needs is bodies. OK, mm-hmm. if he has, if you give Patrick Ewing 10 bodies, you know, some size or whatever, he, can, he they play hard. They play physical. They play defense. And that's what happened in the first in the first part of the year. You know, they were they would play teams tough. They were playing like Villanova tough for the first half. They'd be up by 1015 and then they would lose it right away. Um, mm-hmm. But then for some reason, they had a covid. They had a covid shutdown Uh the, you know, the covid. They had a covid issue in, in within the program. They had to shut down for three weeks without mm-hmm. playing. Wow, and you think that that would make them worse? But they came back, and ever since that, the beginning of February, they've been a solid team, playing everybody tough, winning some games you didn't think they would win. Even then, you didn't think they win four straight games in the Big East tournament. But they, but right now they have they really have like a lot of length. They have they have like a couple seven footers down low. They have all wow. their all their wings are like six seven. Wow, know, athletic, so they could they can shut you down defensively, and they can rebound, and they've. And they've garnered just enough offense uh to get it done. And a lot of his old school offense, they they do they throw it down low to the post. You know, yeah. That's that ewing factor. You know, that's so,
2: right. They right. You know Ain't he, no three points here. No right. Three
1: point seven exactly. footers here. I it's like an old that. it's an old school offense. You know, they look for the best shot and they, they, they go inside inside out. Um and he's very animated on the sidelines. You can you know, he's screaming at him every play on defense. So he you know, this is his team. And it's very—it's been very impressive. He deserves it, actually.
2: Yeah. That's great. You, that's great. To yeah, hear. yeah. What do you think, Steve? I mean, you're you're a big college basketball uh, fan. You remember the days when the Big East was king. Oh yeah. You know, and Georgetown was king. How does it make you feel to see Georgetown come back with Patrick Ewing? I mean, that's yeah. about the irony of it.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love it, man. Why well, texted you guys early about you know him winning uh, Patrick? Ewing winning the uh, Big East championship on the anniversary that John Thompson was hired at, at right. Georgetown. Right. So uh, I don't think that's a coincidence, man. But, <laughs> um, you know, no, I'm I'm so happy for Patrick Ewing, number one, because uh, he's been working for this opportunity for a long time. Right. Obviously, the Knicks did not do right by him in that regard. And uh, so to see him being able to go back uh, to Georgetown and, and to mentor these these young men, and to put the Big East back on the map, you know, in, in this rightful basketball place. And St. John's had a pretty good season too, I, I think. Yep.
1: Mike Anderson.
3: I, yeah. Uh, so it's good to see these these old school Big East cats getting back in there, man. You know, the way the conferences have been shifting over the last five years is just, you can't keep up with who's going where anymore. You know, West Virginia in the Big 12, like what? <laughs> <Right>. like, what? What? <laughs> You know, or I'm Freight, still Freighton, Freighton in the Freighton. Freighton, yeah, right. Still trying to get over that, but but it's great to see these legacy teams just as a reminder of, of that, and that we need that tradition. You know, Um but as far as the tournament itself itself is concerned, I, I don't know, man. I think it's it's wide open just with all of the factors. Now you have teams like Alabama that's looking good. Yeah. You know. Um and then with 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 the whole covid thing I mean who knows maybe even Gizaga, I know. maybe even Gonzaga might get to the to the final yeah. four that they've been threatening for years who knows right. but um, I think it's wide open um just with all of the factors involved and, and and like you're saying that all the teams are going to the state of Indiana as opposed mm-hmm. to having to travel every weekend yeah. that too will affect you know right. things you know cuz you don't have a team coming from california having to play you know in the southeast regional you know so it's going to be interesting every, the, the whole dynamic has changed so uh, we'll we'll see how this, this pans out
2: i wonder if um i wonder if that could work in the future because i wonder how much money you save and every year you just pick a different state you know that okay this year uh everybody's coming to uh Illinois. next year uh everybody's going to california Next year may be a long time for California, but uh, and never, never in the South, you know that'll be a punishment. <laughs> <laughs> never fucking going to the South, as long as there's a, there's a Democratic administration, we ain't never going down to that South. But do, do you think that could? <laughs> do you think that could? Uh, oh, oh, by the way, Steve, I'll well, tell you, but I I just got my Johnny Hodges biography in the mail. Oh, uh, wait. About two, two weeks ago. Great. Uh, we can Great. talk about that later. Very interesting guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But, but, do you, do you guys think that could that could work? Just one state each year hosts host all the teams.
1: I doubt it. You know, same same reason. I the, the nostalgia, the romanticism of it, the you know the fact it was you know the four corners of the country represented, and I think people would want to go back to that. Um, and they probably make more money that that way. I would assume. You know, having it, be, you know, uh, you know, all around the country. But yeah, I think, like I said, I, th- I think as soon as they can, they're gonna go back to the way things were.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I just think that you know, with the conference commissioners, you know, right. they'll they'll be saying they're missing out on a lot of money, and um, you know, because all of these different states they depend on that money for different reasons, because it funds their infrastructure. You know, so I, I think you'll. I mean, logistically, it could probably work to have it in one state, but I just think that realistically they'll lobby to spread that money around. You know, I don't think there'll be any way to split up that money. Let's say they have the entire tournament like they're doing in Indiana. I don't think they'll be able to to equally split out that money, you know, to go to all of the different uh, regionals.
1: Right. And and if money is is already the biggest factor by far, I think they're going to, you know in the next few years they're going to have to make they're going to want to make even more money because they're going to have, you know these kids are going to start getting more like it's just the the tide is here there's, there's you know even people who 5 years ago were like no way are said you know saying yes now they've they've gone ahead with the with the name image and likeness uh quote unquote they're going to pay some kids even though that that's probably a farce right the way it's set up right now but in the future you know kids are going to get something definitely more than what they're getting now which is which is nothing but there's going to be a constant pressure to, to, to have th- let these kids uh, profit off of this this work. And we see it's all about money and it's basically professional right now.
3: I, I want to mm-hmm. ask b- yeah. both of you guys mm-hmm. about that point real quick because I noticed, and there's another great team in the tournament, Ohio State, and mm-hmm. boy, they, they played physical the other day against Michigan. And, right. and so uh, uh, Juwan's going to have to deal with that. But I noticed that Ohio State players didn't have their names on the back of their jerseys. Mm. So I'm wondering if this is like a step that the the administrators are taking now. Uh. To, to you know to Jamal's point about the you know the marketing of because of, we know that was that was one of the cornerstone issues. Right. So right. I'm wondering now if that's if that's gonna be a new ploy that they're gonna go back to the old school with so you know what, we won't put the name on the jerseys.
2: That's right. That's right. It's just the name. name. Where they all say the cliche: "There's a name on the front, not on the back."
0: <laughs> yeah, they, they've
1: got us with that for for hundreds of years. Bill. That's right. Yeah, no, but uh, yeah, you can't put anything past the the schools and the administrators. They they'll do whatever. They you know they're going to do whatever they can to delay this, uh, to to be, to you know be able to pay the kids less, whatever it is. So yeah, I'm sure that's part of it.
2: That's it. That's actually a great observation. I already thought about that. I, I'm. I said, how are they going to get around this? But you're right; that's the first step. Is you know, but but now when you got a guy like Trevor Lawrence, for example, who was like clearly number like number whatever, and you're just going to take his name off, but then you're going to sell his jersey, right? In, in the students, you know, there's got to be. You say no, you can't, you you can't skirt the issue like that.
3: You know, mm-hmm. I'm
2: the mm-hmm. starter team. I'm Shaq. I'm number thirty-four, <laughs> LSU. You can't have my number in the bookstore or whatever, just right. 34. Right.
1: right.
2: I mm-hmm. mean, I guess they can't, and I guess it gets to a legal argument, well, we just say it's 34. We're not saying it's you, you know. <laughs> we've,
1: we've got other 34s.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and, and in the case of, as we know, in the case of college football teams, they do. Right. They have at least two players, oftentimes with the same number, you know, they just can't play on the same side of the ball or be in the game at the same time, so.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, you got to get up early in the morning. Before we go, what's the um, – Jamal, what's the state of black coaches in the tournament? What black coaches are we going to have in the tournament?
1: Oh, you know, we got a few. This is this has been a very good year for black coaches relatively. Of course, um, you know, like you said, I have an article coming out uh, this week with the undefeated. Where right. yeah, I talked I talked to a whole bunch of the other black coaches. Some young black coaches doing really well. Uh, we'll start with Shaka Smart and Mike Boynton. Shaka Smart at Texas. You know, he's had he's been under pressure for a while. He's been there for a while. Haven't hasn't really gotten them to where he wants them to be. They have a experienced team now, and that just shows you you need guys to stick around. He has a he has a, some seniors and juniors now, and they're and now he's looking like a three seed in the tournament. The Big 12. He played against Oklahoma State, which is coached by a young brother from Brooklyn, Mike Mike Boynton. He went to Bishop Lachlan, in oh wow he okay played for Bishop Lachlan in Brooklyn. He's about 40 years old. He he's coached Oklahoma State. They're a top 15 team. They Oklahoma State and Texas played in the conference final. That was the first time ever that two black head coaches had met in the Big 12 conference final. That was Sunday, wow, um, wow. yesterday, and um, Chaka Smart won that game. Uh, you got, of course, Leno Ham- Hamilton, the OG, uh, Florida State, doing their thing. They're, they're looking like about a four or five seed in the tournament. I've, I've, I should have mentioned Juwan Howard first uh, because he he's a one seed going in there. He's, he's had a great year. He's another guy, a longtime assistant in the NBA. They wouldn't give him a chance there. He comes to his alma mater, much like Patrick Ewing, who's, who's also in the tournament, surprisingly. Didn't think he would be there. Quanzo um, Martin in, in Missouri. Uh the- huh. He'll be in the tournament this year uh, as about a seven seed, something like that. Um, and, there, you know, some, there's Cleveland State as a young, young blackhead coach uh, who turned net. They had, they were in the worst position they've been in in years. You know, he actually won coach of the year. They went 7 11 last year. He, he took them to his first year. They went 7 11 and they were, he got coach of the year. They were so bad before that. Mm. Okay. Wow. And then he won coach of the year again this year. He's actually, a Leonard Hamilton disciple. He was on mm-hmm. Leonard Hamilton's staff uh, for about ten years. So Great. there are a lot of lot of good black coaches, um, in you know in college, you know doing the doing their thing in college basketball this year. They just need you know obvious, obviously more of an opportunity because those statistics are still there. When you look at the assistant coach, a coach you know, black assistant coaches in college basketball make up about fifty percent of of all assistant coaches but when you get to the head coaching position all of a sudden it dwindles down to about 15 20%. So obviously there's a pool to be there, there that they can be chosen from, but it's not happening. Uh, mm-hmm. but the ones that are getting the opportunity are doing good things.
2: Yeah, I think we talked about that on another podcast. But, you know, uh, for this whole thing to work, you know, I mean, it's so unfortunate, but you got to almost have be a, have a super black coaches, a couple like you had Thompson, Chaney, Nolan Richardson you know, I think the same thing in the NFL. You know, you almost have to have a super black coach to win like two or three mm. Super Bowls, you know, mm-hmm. for people to be like, all right, damn, you know, shit, you know, you know, what I'm saying, <laughs> you know, I guess uh, we'll, we'll have to, you know, you know that, right, that, that right, kind right. of thing. You know, right. unfortunately, that just seems to be that what you got, know, you got to win, not just be successful, but you got to win the whole you got to be a championship coach a multi you know multiple times, and mm-hmm. then when you're at that stage, you got to preach it. You just can't be invisible. You got to like sort of preach some variation of Black Power. Like this is what happened when you get a black head coach. You know, right. and from, and from uh,
1: you know, I talked to I talked to a bunch of uh, black you know all the coaches I mentioned I talked to, and even on the women's side, uh, you know Dawn Staley. Uh, there's, you know, the SEC this past season had seven black women head coaches. Yeah. Um, I, I talked to a few of them. And, and and it's interesting when when you talk to them, you know, you, it just becomes even more serious because you see how seriously they, they take it out, how, how they understand what the situation is, that they get so few opportunities. Uh, so they're looking for any kind of publicity they can get um, for right. someone else. To what, what's it, it, then, what, what's it look
2: like on the, I'm sorry, but what's it look like on the women's front? We asked what does it look like the tournament look like for black coaches on the men's side what does it look like for women
1: well you know dawn staley she's you know she's one of the favorites to to either win the championship or get to the final four as usual so she's you know she's the queen as far as as far as black uh, coaches on that side um you know another in the SEC also was another was another conference that for the first time their SEC championship uh was played by two black Head coaches, two black women head coaches for the first time ever in mm. the SEC this year. Dawn Staley at South Carolina and Joni Taylor at Georgia. Uh, so you know, Joni Taylor, she'll be you know she she'll be in the tournament. Um, you know, uh, wow. you know, so they you know they they're, they don't have as many as the black male coaches do on the other side, but but the ones that are there are doing very well.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, this is uh, this is great. Yeah, so listen, everybody, um, you know, I guess, I, I guess, mar- oh, go Marvin, ahead, go ahead, Joel. Marvin Hagler passed. Oh, uh, yeah. Passed away, yeah. Yeah. 66. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just saw that, I said, wow, man, you know, mm-hmm. what can you say, man? The great, the marvelous, mar- marvel.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's still, I still say, you know, as they always said about him, pound for pound, I think he was still the best, mm. you know, just.
2: Yeah, outside of Ali, you mean.
3: Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, I've I've probably like the rest of us, I've watched that, you know, of course that Hagler Leonard fight many oh, man. times and I just said well Leonard didn't beat Hagler. You you could say you could say that Hagler didn't win, but right. Leonard didn't beat Hagler. You know, you gotta beat the champion to actually, beat champion.
1: Actually I remember that's like one of the first fights that I, I actually scored. It might have been the first fight. I was young, but I remember like actually scoring the rounds and it was like the closest thing ever. And I probably, I don't know, I think I was rooting for Sugar Ray so I gave him a little edge, but it was like <laughs> basically like a draw.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That it's was a great Marvel fight. Marvel. What great about fight.
2: the Hagler, the famous Hagler-Hearns fight?
3: Oh my goodness.
2: It was, it was, like, like, was it the first round? That was first, the first round. round. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Man>.
3: <laughs> That's a classic, man. That's a Unbelievable. classic. Unbelievable. Yeah. That's a classic.
2: <laughs> I got to go back to YouTube and watch that. Yeah, yeah. Have you guys, that, that YouTube, man, has been has been tremendous, man. Right. You know, I mean, just to go back and, you know, a friend of mine are talking, you know, uh, playing in the NFL, I'm going back and watching these, like, I watched the Green Bay Packers, uh, Cleveland Browns championship game. Mm. I watched the Colts, Colts, uh, Browns. I mean, you know, like, man, it, it just, it's just, it's great. And then, but then you see, they're like, have no brothers. I mean, like, two, Two or three brothers here there you know like 1958 57
3: right
1: you
2: know it was really there's so many things that are interesting
1: it must have been it, some right. boring football That's all I <laughs> <laughs> yeah well
2: they didn't know how boring it was too i mean but you right. like I, I was listening to an old interview i had on a guy named joe the jet perry mm. you know, joe the jet man and you know, he played 1948 49 50 he was part of that sort of first wave Brothers who came in, but they all talked about, you know, Al U, RC Owens. You know, they they named the Al U Pass after RC Owens. Mm. So these cats were just like a lot of them were former basketball players. They were just out jumping cats. <laughs> you know, wow. they introduced verticality to the league. You know, mm. my cat look, looking up like, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> what? What's this? <laughs> yeah, what's this? You know, Willie the Wisp Gallimore.
3: Yeah. And, uh, man. I was
2: wow. like, it turned out to have to be. Because then you get these cats. Then they said, "Damn, we got to get some black guys to guard them. Right. Then we got to get some black offensive linemen to, right. to to be able to jump out there. Then we got to get some black linemen to like." So it's all this domino effect. So it was like, make no mistake that the only reason the league is sixty-eight or seventy percent black because we need them. Right? You know, we we, hmm. we we actually need them. Is that like executives, anything like where it's kind of. You know, head coaches. Well, this guy reminds me of myself. You know. Right. Uh, Let's say, what do you guys think of Dak Prescott? Before we before we leave, that was the news of the week. Dak finally yeah. had to break his ankle to get paid.
3: Yeah. Well, if, as they say, you know, finally glad he got his money. You know, after all of the nonsense. You know, because uh, I think as as it was brought up several times by I think Stephen A. and a few others that, look, if this were Tony Romo. And no disrespect right. to Tony, but Tony would've gotten that gotten his contract straight. It wouldn't even have been a question. It wouldn't have gotten right. drawn right. out this long. You know. But glad to see he's got it. Hope he hope he can come back. You know, I mean that's a the that it's a devastating injury, but hope he can come back man, and fulfill his potential. He's still young, so that's on his side. So uh and perhaps he'll learn how to play his game a little little differently. But he's going to need some help too, you know. Yes, they got to get a good front line, and uh, he can't do it by himself. So uh, I just hope they give him the support that he needs.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad, yeah, yeah. same thing. I'm glad he got his money. Uh, you know, he'll have more pressure on him this year for the next few years. But you know, regardless, what you know, you always have pressure on you, quarterback Dallas Cowboys. So I'm just, yeah. I'm glad. <laughs> That's yeah. right. No, no, Make, one
2: of the most overrated franchises I mean, in the history. Of <laughs> Sorry about that, Kevin Dudley, but you know my nephew, <laughs> guy I does. I mean, what have they done? Like Romo? I mean, the guy. I don't think he maybe did he win one playoff. game? I mean, some ridiculous. Maybe, maybe one playoff. Maybe game one. Ten years. I mean, you know, just unbelievable.
3: Yeah, you know. he's a hell of an analyst, though.
2: Yeah, he's uh, I, I, I like I, him I th- as a,
3: I think he found his calling as an analyst, man. He's he's yeah, incredible. He's really yeah, incredible.
2: A little, yeah, a little late, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. anyway, say any any last thoughts before we uh before we wrap it up. This has been great, you know. Uh I, I may peek at the tournament,
1: Jamal, you're right. I mean <laughs> I'm, <laughs> pulling, I'm pulling at for the, the Yeah, at least watch the Texas game, the Georgetown game. That that's the whole purpose yeah. of the article. This yeah, Let's go. Yeah. Support, Cheer the, for the brothers. support these brothers so and they the get sisters. the jobs that they, that they deserve. You know what I'm saying? There you right.
2: go. There you With go. Brothers and sisters, Black Lives Matter. Uh, I did yeah. want to ask you, in fact, I, I'm going to propose writing a column and uh, a column that accompanies yours, Jamal, about why this matters, why why Black coaches matter. Mm. You know, because we say this and we never, outside is making people feel good, but why Black coaching lives matter. You know, mm. you get
3: the answer to that on Tuesday. That's, that's great. That's great. Hey, I, I just want to recommend everybody and maybe you guys have seen a, a great documentary that's on Netflix. Uh, Last Chance U. Oh, and, okay. uh, yeah. Profiles uh, uh, East L.A. Community College. Uh, speaking of that subject and uh, but I recommend it to everybody just to kind of give a really good intimate look at junco ball and what happens to those athletes and the stuff they have to deal with and it's just i think it's like got about uh, 10 episodes but it's fantastic and it and it shows what happened to them because they were getting ready to go to the state junco championships when the COVID thing hit they Mm. were literally on the bus getting ready to leave for the championship when it got shut down Mm. and uh and it just you know it changed a lot of lives but i i can't recommend it enough yeah, huh. definitely.
1: That's what that's actually last chance you is something I've been meaning to watch for a long time and haven't just haven't got to it, but I definitely yeah, I
2: got sidetracked by a Netflix doc, a Netflix show uh uh called uh Jenny and uh Georgia and Jenny. Georgia and Jenny. Oh, <laughs> I'm not anymore. Good. Well, when you check it out, you'll be calling it. What are you talking about? <laughs> I will say any more than that. he would be like, "Damn, man. <laughs> Georgia, Georgia, Jenny, okay. Georgia, Georgia, and Jenny." Georgia and Jenny, okay. Georgia, Georgia, and Jenny, okay.
3: Oh, we gonna have to call you, hey, Bill? Are you sure you okay, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. I know. I want. We'll have to follow up next time. <laughs> like, what? Okay. <laughs> Hey, hey, man, it's been great. Um, man, looking forward to seeing you guys in person at some point. Um, though one of the I wanted to mention there is I just don't know when if you know, a certain age when I'll trust again, trust being at a club again, I mean like a packed club or packed venue, you know, without like, I don't know who said it, looking around maybe it was you, Jamal, looking around and like we did post we never cared pre-pandemic right. you'd be around mm-hmm. Pat's you know, breathing all over each other, <laughs> coughing. Right, right, right. You know, no mask, and uh, now that we know what we know, mm-hmm. will we ever be able to trust again? Being out there, you know, like that without a mask. And then the thing is, I think you mentioned it, Steve, the, the the profound thing about the mask is that you're wearing it to protect somebody else. I think that's why a lot of cat, you know, he's see on the south, they "Well, you know, it's totally selfish." Well, wait a minute. If if it was to protect me. Than be aware, but I, you mean I'm I'm aware to protect you, <laughs> <laughs> right. right?
3: Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. We'll see what happens, man. It's it's. Uh, yeah, I think it'll take a minute, but uh, yeah. yeah, we'll see what happens with that.
2: Yeah. All right, everybody, listen. Uh, Steve Wilson, keep holding it down. Uh, great Jamal Murphy, keep holding it down, and uh, you know, uh, everybody. Our millions of listeners. Keep holding it down, be safe, be careful, and God bless.